Great. Well, good morning to everyone. Uh, it's good to be here, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity of, of being able to share with you as brothers and sisters in Christ over these next couple of weeks. So you have me for um, basically December and January, and then creep into the first Sunday in February, and then uh, Gary Nelson it will be coming to be your acting rector from that point on. So I'm your fill-in, as it were. Uh, but I'm delighted to be able to be here and to share with you in this way. Um, I, we're, today we're coming to the, the end of the series that you've been doing in the um, epistle of Paul to the Ephesians. And it's a great passage we're looking at today and I'm looking forward to sharing this with you and as we look to God's word together. So let me pray as we come to look to God's word. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us together here this morning. We thank you that your spirit is at work in our hearts and minds and lives. And we thank you, Lord, that we have your word and it can be placed before us. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit has promised to open our hearts and minds to that word and that we will respond in a way that's going to bring honour and glory to your name. For in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So today is the final in the series. And as I was thinking about it, um, it just crossed my mind afresh, of course, that you imagine the Ephesians uh, receive this letter from Paul. Now, what they receive is a scroll, not a, um, a nice printed copy of the whole thing. And they would have all been eager to hear. Uh, Paul had been the one who had preached the gospel there originally, and many had believed and the church had grown, and the church had actually spread out, the gospel had spread out into the whole region round about. And so they would have been there to read it, mad keen to hear what Paul has to say. One of the things I've got to keep reminding myself as I come to Scripture, and especially as I come to the epistles, is that um, when, when Paul is writing about you in the epistle, he's writing you plural. In Greek, all the yous are plural. They're not singular. They're only singular in the Greek when it's specifically about a person. Do you? you know, uh, a specific person. So therefore, but our difficulty is that in our day and age, our brain thinks me rather than plural. Am I right? That's the culture that we have, you know. We had these ads saying, who is the most important person in the world? Me, remember? that, And everything centred on me. And if we're not careful, we think that way. So I want you to think as we look at this today, remember... It's, it's the body of Christ sitting down together in Ephesus and they're reading this as that th this is what Paul is saying to them collectively together. So when he's encouraging them to do something as we go through this uh, chapter, he's talking about together you will be doing this, you know, not just me and my, you on your own. Now, we then have our individual lives where we need to work it out but it's together that we grow and mature in Christ. And that was his key point. And of course, once the printing press came, we then came up with books. And therefore, once we had books, we could divide it all into chapters and verses. And so we could divide it all up, which then allowed us to grab in a little bit and take it totally out of context, isn't it? <laughs> That's what books have allowed us to do. But it has allowed us though, to have, have it in a better format than rolling out the scroll. Where was the bit on the scroll you were talking about there? You know, what was going on here? Or someone else doing a copy of a scroll for you. 
Uh, but it's good just to keep that in mind as we come and look at this passage this morning. You remember that at the beginning of this series, when you started with Ephesians, Paul begins in the beginning. He talks about in Christ we have every spiritual blessing. And that's what the whole first chapter was talking about, you know, giving thanks to God for the blessings that we have in Christ. And he goes in chapter 2, he said, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin, but God intervened, God intervened in his son, and by grace you have been saved. You've been brought into close fellowship with the Lord himself. And he says, now that you're together, you've been, the, the Spirit has drawn you out, drawn you to himself, now that you're together, we now need to learn to how to walk together in Christ, how to exercise the gifts that we're being given, that as the body we can grow together as the body of Christ, how we can grow in grace. And then he began talking about the things that we have to learn together uh, in our own lives, to things we need to put off and things we need to put on. What we've got to put off, and put on. And they're quite strong terms. It's, it's put off, get rid of, do you, is, is the, the term, not just place to one side, I could pick it up later. Get rid of this behaviour. And this is what you need to put on. Consciously grab it and consciously seek to understand it and put it on and let it envelop you. Let this now be who you are and what's your life. And last week we were talking about submitting to one another. Submitting to one another in Christ. We were to support and to encourage each other. And today he's now going to talk about how do we now stand together, stand in our faith and trust in Christ in the Lord. How do we do this? Because we now live between the cross of Christ where he died for our sins and sins forgiven and the gift of the Spirit, but we're still living in this sinful world and we're still waiting to either we go to be with the Lord or the Lord comes and returns and grabs all of us, one or the other. So how do we stand in Christ together in this in-between period? And that's what this chapter is talking about. So he begins, in, and you will find that on the, in the bulletin there is a, the, an outline of, um, of what, we're, what we're looking at in this chapter today. So it begins here where he talks about spiritual strength. In, in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, if we'd been reading, sitting and reading through the scroll in one go, we would know this is not the first time he's mentioned spiritual strength. Do and we would remember, ah, yes, way back early in the letter he talked about this where Paul had prayed that they would be strengthened with power through the Spirit. And where there's another part where he speaks about God's power in us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. This is the mighty power, that same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead is what the Spirit has for us as we seek to live in Christ's name and seek to his glory and live out our daily lives. But he, he goes to say the area, the time that we now live though is the time in between the cross and the second coming. And so we live in a time of where, how do we live? How do we stand? And so verse 11 begins to focus our thinking on this. Remember it says here, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're to put on the full armour. In a moment, we're going to look at the armour, but before we go into that, Paul describes who the enemy is. Who is the enemy? Let's understand. But you notice that this armour, as he's about to talk about the enemy, he's saying up front, we need to put on this armour because this is the armour that God himself supplies us, the children of God. It is God-supplied armour. Now, when you think about it, it's God who knows the enemy. Therefore, it's God who will come up with relevant armour, not nonsense armour. Uh, we see enough of, of war on our TV screens, do we not? And with Ukraine, sadly, and everything going on in the world. Um, and we become conscious that the enemy, you need to understand what armament they have. So if they're throwing missiles at you, therefore I need something that's going to knock the missiles out before it gets to me. That's the relevant armour I need. Do you? And so when you think about it, you think, yes, I need the relevant armour once I know the enemy, if I'm going to really conquer the enemy, I'm going to be able to stand. And so God knows the enemy, and so we can trust that he, his armour will be relevant for what we need. And notice he says you need to put on the whole armour, the whole lot of it. And as human beings, we often feel that we don't need the lot. Uh, we feel, I'm in control. <laughs> I, I need a bit of help I may need a bit of help, but otherwise I've, I've got everything under control. And no, no, what God is saying, you, you need the whole of this armour, not bits and pieces of it if you're going to be able to stand together. You're not, going to, you're not going to be able to stand against these forces unless you have the whole armour that I am supplying to you. Uh, and it's interesting, when you look at the armour, of course, it's talking about the armour, he's using the terms, of the Roman soldier. And you remember that where Paul is when he's writing this letter is in prison in Rome and has Roman soldiers guarding him all day, every day. So he's looking at this, uh, the, 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 what is worn by the Roman soldier and therefore logically enough he uses this illustration to put forward about the armour of God and what it means. So we need to learn how to put on so that we can actually stand and against the enemy that we face. And he says the enemy is, first of all, it's the devil's schemes. It's the devil himself. When it talks of the devil's schemes, it, it's, it, it's talking about, it's, well, Jesus states about the devil. In, in John 8, 44, Jesus said, the, the devil, um, neither, sorry, Nothing to do with the truth. The devil has nothing to do with the truth because the devil is a liar and is the father of lies. So Jesus talks of the devil as the author of lies and deceit. He talks about him as being the scheme, the schemer. Now I think most of us these days are aware of scams, are we or not? Anyone not aware of scams? I think we're all touching something comes on the phone oops do I open it do I look at it what do I do with it is this really a scam up comes a phone call do I answer this one do not answer this one we're, we're 
very much aware. And if you notice that in our day and ages also, if you've been having scams coming through on your phone and as emails, we have all noticed the scams are getting closer and closer to the original. Some of the first scams you picked out straight away, all the spelling was wrong. Do you, you, you know, that, that, that's a scam. You know, that's come from somewhere out in, the, in another country around the place. But all that's coming together. Then all of a sudden you find that your bank logo is there in the right colour now. Do you? Right? And so the, author, the devil is the author of lies and deceit. Now, I've often thought, not thought, but when talking about this sort of thing in, in sermons, I've realised that if we were going to counterfeit, if we we're going to spend this afternoon saying, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to produce some counterfeit $50 notes. Do you? That's what we're going to do. We're going to work on this this afternoon. We will work on this that the $50 note we produce is so close to the original that no shopkeeper here in Robertson will notice. Am I right? We're not going to write, this is a counterfeit, beware, on our counterfeit note. Can you see the schemes of the devil? Do you see what Jesus is saying about the author of lies and deceit? We ought to understand, we can clearly understand what he's saying. He will attempt to sneak in. That's why Paul talks about the devil. He says, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ through the evil one. And in 2 Corinthians he says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That's the description we have of the devil. And against spiritual forces, against spiritual forces, against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The spiritual forces already have been spoken about by Paul in an earlier part. Now, as, as you think about it, we think spiritual forces, okay, we poo-poo any idea of that. Most of us as, as 21st century human beings, we now have control and know everything, do you know, uh, about everything. However, I think there are times in our life and times week by week when we would think maybe I don't understand everything. Maybe there's things going on that I don't have a 100% grasp of, I don't fully understand. And I think what, what the scripture is saying to us, although we may not, though we may use different language today and not fully grasp what these evil forces, how we would express, how we would understand them, although that may be true, but this is saying we should never underestimate them. That's the thing. The aim of the evil one is that we would underestimate him. Isn't that the aim of the enemy? That you underestimate, you be unprepared and you be a walkover. That's the aim of the enemy. Uh, we like to believe that we have everything under control. We like to believe that as long as we can get good education going, we have solved all of our problems. We've been working on that one for many, many years, right? And we've solved some, but there up comes another bundle of problems, isn't it? So we haven't solved them all at all. And as a government comes in and says, we've come in and we're going to do this, this and this, everything now is going to be perfect and right. Now, some of us oldies have heard that a few times now, haven't we, over the years? Everything perfect and right. And, and we've, we've sat to realise, and we've gradually realised, it's not just simply that they've come and lied to us, it's just the issue is much more complicated you know, than what it sounds on paper, far more complicated. However, 
in Christ Jesus. Let me read you this. This is what Paul spoke earlier in chapter 1. He said, That power is the same as the mighty strength that Jesus, that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There is one who is able to conquer, and that one is that Lord Jesus Christ that you read about in the early chapters of, of, of Ephesians, right? Where Paul was helping us to understand who this Jesus really is. And by faith and being united to Christ in his death and resurrection, the victory is ours in him and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, the victory ultimately is Christ's, but we, as I said before, live in the crossover age. On the cross, death and sin were conquered, wiped out. But we now live in this in-between age, and in this in-between age is the opportunity when the gospel is preached and for men and women to believe and respond and to know Christ as their Saviour and Lord and so join in the victory that is in Christ when he returns. And that's the age in which we now live. So how do we live out this victory that we have in Christ? How do we make it our own? How do we express it as the body of Christ? How do we live as God's children in this present age? Well, that brings us to verse 13 where he says, Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. It's a clear, positive statement. The devil and spiritual forces of evil conquered in Christ through his death and resurrection and ascension. And this victory through faith and belief that Jesus is the Christ and what he claimed to have done on the cross, he claimed, is ours today. It's ours today. And the full will be when Jesus returns or we go to be with him before that. That's where it is. But today, what is he doing? He's drawing a people to himself from every nation, tribe, people and tongue. You know, the body of Christ, people coming to Christ, finding new life in Christ all over the world, doesn't hit the front page of the Herald or the telly or the Mercury either. <laughs> right? Doesn't hit any of those. But can I assure you, that's what's happening all over the world. All over the world. It's amazing how many million are, millions are committed to Christ in China today. That doesn't all pop up on the newspaper, do you? you know? And I've had the, the privilege in these last 20 odd years and even before that with CMS of going to many odd places around the world and finding here are those who know and love the Lord and where they're opening one church after another. Do you know? The gospel is just growing throughout this place, do you know? And that there is, God is, he is in Christ drawing a people to himself. That's what's happening in this day. And as he draws him to himself, then we, we need to learn to stand together in Christ as we await for the second coming, do you know? as we wait for Christ eagerly for him to return. The devil, in the meantime, 
is focused to try to thwart us and to thwart that and, and to, ensure, to try to, to draw us away from Christ, to try to draw us back into the old self, the old sinful ways. That's the aim and purpose of the devil. But God supplies the armour we need that together, notice this is all together, we will stand firm in him, firm in Christ in him until he returns. The armour. Well, let us just quickly look at the armour. If we are to put it on, it's the full armour we're to be put on. So when the evil day comes, as the devil is attempting to draw us away from him, we together may be able to stand our ground and after we have done everything, to stand. And so we're called to put on the armour. Put on the armour. Well, let's look at the armour. It's interesting, as you go through this, it is the belt of truth that we're to buckle around our waist. And when you look at the, what is, what is the word truth here that he's using? The, the word that's used is, is a word that, that refers to faithfulness, integrity, transparent, honest about yourself. That, that's, when you look at scripture, that, that's what that word is on about. And, and as you go through each of these, you find it's really talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, that's what all this is talking about. So in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It, it's, it's living a godly life in Christ Jesus. That's what it's on about. That, that this is the armour that we're to put on. And the breastplate of righteousness. That's character and practice. That's what righteousness is. That not only just we, do we know what God's plan and what he wants in our lives, and through his spirit we're seeking to live it. And that's why it talks about the, the put off and the put on. Now let me ask you a, a question that you most certainly don't need to just answer out publicly. But can I ask you, why are you such a good sinner? Okay? Why are you? Do you know why we're such good sinners? We've been practising for years. I'm positive. I remember being caught out as a youngster telling a lie. We've all been caught out as youngsters telling a lie. Am I right or not? I think if anyone says I wasn't, we would say, hey, hey, you don't know what you're talking about, right? We've all been, we've all been. However, I, I got better at it. That I could tell it and mum didn't pick it straight away. It took a little bit longer for her to pick it out, right? And then I got better. And so why are we so good at sinning? Because we practice sinning. Why are we so weak in godliness? We fail to practice godliness. Isn't this what the armour's talking about, isn't it? It's taking up that which God has given us in his spirit with the new life that we have in Christ, the new understanding who God is, what his plan and purpose is. And we now need to take this on board and practice godliness, right? I do, uh, we, you, I'm sure you can think of dozens of things that you think, okay, that's a weakness that I have in my life. It doesn't fit with the work of the Spirit in my life at all. So that needs to be something that under God I need to pray, Lord, keep bringing to my mind 
that I respond in this situation in a way that glorifies you, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Give me grace to do that. Allow me to, that to constantly happen so that's the way that I respond. That's the way that I behave. It's a putting off, understanding what it is you're getting rid of, and it's a putting on, understanding what you are actually putting on. We need to practice godliness. And then he says, and with, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And, and it, the, it's the gospel of the saving message in Christ Jesus that has captured our heart and mind that we long to share, to make that others may know, that others may come to faith in Christ. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And in addition to this, the shield of faith, which, which we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, for the Roman, the, the, the word that's used here for the shield is the shield that's the, the whole body shield, you know, that covers the whole body that you're behind. Not just a little mini shield, but a whole shield. Put this on, of faith. That's of trust, confidence, that what God says I believe, what God talks about I will do. That, isn't that what faith is? I put my trust and confidence in you. You know, when you say I've got faith in something, it means I've got confidence in something and I will depend on it and I will lean on it. And the helmet of salvation, sins forgiven, I am a child of God, that when the devil tries to come and say, well, are you really a child of God? I, aren't you still a sinner? Yes, but my sins are forgiven in Christ, you know? I, I grab this helmet of salvation, the assurance that I have that my sins are forgiven, that I am in Christ. You know, often when you're chatting with people and you ask that question like, well, if you were to, to die today, would you go to be with the Lord? And many will say, I hope so. Why do you hope? Well, I've done this, I've done that. Well, if you ask me that question, I can only give one answer like I'm sure most of you can give. The answer has to be yes. Why is it yes? Because I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again from the dead. I believe when he said, it is finished, it was finished. When he said, sins are forgiven, sins are forgiven. And so if I doubt and wonder or muddle around with it all, whose word am I doubting? I'm, out, I'm doubting the word of Christ himself. My trust and confidence in his word, and that's where my faith, that's where my commitment is in Christ Jesus. And the sword of the Spirit. That is the word of God. That is the word of God. Jesus gives the clear example of this. In, in, when he was tempted in the wilderness and the, the tempter came and spoke, suggested he did this and suggested that, what, what was the response? God has spoken. Here is God's word. That, that's where I stand. I know God's plan. I know God's purpose. He has spoken to me. He's given us, us his word and I'm seeking to live by that word. That's what I'm seeking to do. It's interesting, in the first 300 years of the Christian church, right back in the very beginning, there, there were no books on evangelism, right, at all, and yet the church grew at the greatest rate it has ever grown in the world, right? However, at the same time, they were under the greatest persecution that the church has ever been before as well. So if you go and read about those first 300 years, those two extremes are happening at the same time. And it's quite interesting. How did, how did the church grow? Well, Christians studied the Gospels. 
And as they studied the Gospels, they saw how Christ lived. They saw the model of Christ that he was giving, what, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to express that God is with us, is within us and we have his spirit. So they saw to live their lives together. They encouraged each other to live Christ-honouring lives. And as the community would come and say, you, you are just so different. You, you, know, you love one another. You care for one another. What's going on here? It's because I'm committed to Christ and I'm seeking to live a life that glorifies Christ. And so many, many believed and that's how the church grew. And it was quite interesting as church, someone would say, I now believe. They would say, that's fine, but let's see how, let's start studying the Gospels with you and let's see whether you begin to live a Christ-like life or not. And once we've seen a clear demonstration that over a period of time, then we'll think about baptising you and bringing you into the fellowship. Do you? Uh, that, that was the life of the early church. Uh, and this is what Paul is saying here. And in the spirit, uh, we are to pray in the spirit on all occasions. We're, we're to, to uh, all kinds of prayers, all requests. Uh, we're to be open, open to God's leading and God's care. The armour that God himself supplies. I think there's enough there for us to stop and to think about this week as we think about this armour. Have you, have you consciously, do you, do you know how to, to put on these bits of armour we're talking about? Do you know how to practice with these armours so that when the battle comes you're, you're already practised, you can use each of the bits of armour that, that we have in Christ Jesus? Is that where you are? And part of it is to encourage each other together that we can stand. Spiritual weapons for spiritual warfare. Well, we're to be strong in the power that only the Lord can give, in his mighty power. We're to understand the enemy. Don't delude ourselves. Let us understand. Don't underestimate the enemy. We're to be put on the full armour that only God supplies. We're to practise godliness we are together to grow and mature and pray together as we support each other, encourage each other to walk forward in Christ. And then he finishes with the word of blessing. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let me pray. Loving Father, we thank you that you have spoken so clearly and you've spoken so clearly through your word and you've spoken so clearly through your Son. We just pray, Lord, that as we seek to live as soldiers of Christ in this world, enable us, Father, not to underestimate the enemy, but enable us, Father, at exactly the same time to understand the armour which is already supplied to us in Christ Jesus, to understand each part of the armour, to understand how to use this armour, how to practise with this armour, and how to be able to together to stand firm, that we may have the joy and peace that comes believing and trusting and knowing that we are your children together and that your power and strength is there, that we will grow and mature and that we're moving towards that place when we will be with you face to face and we will know all these joys and we will know the peace that only Christ can give. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.